Today is Friday, October 22nd, 2021. Your time is limited. Don't waste it living someone else's life. Steve Jobs. You're listening to episode 265, Think Outside the Box with Griffin Gervais. Something happens and we respond. And what we ultimately need to understand is there's actually space between the action and the response. And when we have that space and we're able to recognize that space, then we're able to take the step back and say, okay, and, and when I'm thinking about emotions, I think about energy and pleasantness. So where am I energy wise and where am I pleasantness wise? Mm. And ultimately now that I'm in this moment, I need to step back. I need to create that space for myself. And I need to think about what's a, what's a healthy, proactive way that I can handle the situation. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here as always. So happy to spend my Friday with you sharing and delighting in my awesome guests on this show. Everybody who I have is such an inspiring and valuable source of information for you. Today, my guest is an educator, trainer, and mindset coach, Griffin Gervais. He spent nine years as a classroom teacher and a school administrator with a passion for helping others understand their emotions, develop a growth mindset, and reflect on ways to be their best selves. Griffin transformed that passion to a global level. When speaking with others about achieving what they want in life, Griffin helps others see the amazing potential in themselves. Developing a sense of self-awareness, Griffin talks often about the inner understanding we need to have with ourselves and how that translates to our own being. Today, his mission is to help others unlock the light within themselves and live their best life. If you want to connect with Griffin, I'm going to put a link for his link tree on the show notes for this episode. Again, that's episode 265. You can go access the show notes and stay connected at danceoflife.com slash podcast. And again, there'll be a link for um, Griffin's link tree. So, you know, there's a bunch of stuff in there like free coaching, his website, uh, Instagram account, you know, basically all the ways to connect with him. Today, I'm excited to have Griffin on the show. We're going to be chatting about his own journey as an educator and mindset coach, you know, how to remove limiting beliefs, the importance of emotional mastery and how we can unlock the power of our minds really to create the life that we love. That is really at the core of it. You know, it's ultimately how do we enjoy our time here, our limited time here as much as possible. Thanks so much for being here. We're just about to jump into this conversation, but before we do that, you know what to do. Subscribe, share, like, leave a review, just throw me an emoji email, whatever you feel like doing. Thank you for being here. And away we go. Let's do it. Episode 265, Think Outside the Box with Griffin Gervais. All right. What's up, man? Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to chat with you, especially with your background as an educator. It really reminds me of my own, uh, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time teaching and I love teaching. Teaching is just a passion of mine. I, if somebody wants to learn how to build a, you know, mud house, I'll teach them how to do that. You know, whatever, anything I can teach, I'm there. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Um, Education's kind of led me to, to where I am currently today. So super grateful for that experience and, and um, always love to just learn and grow with people. So um, excited about it. I was just actually on a podcast with uh, my buddy, Christopher Burns, shout out to him. 
in the uh, Mastering the Man Within podcast. I was just on that show literally like an hour ago. And we were talking about exactly the same thing with education and how, I mean, to me, teaching is just the highest calling ultimately is to really share, you know, knowledge doesn't exist in a vacuum. It, it has to be shared with other people. And, and really, to me, honestly, you learn, you really learn what you are, you know, knowing when you share it with somebody else. That's when you finally learn it is when you have to teach somebody who, you know, is a beginner, especially I'm, I'm really passionate about teaching beginners because that is where you really learn your craft is working with people who don't know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, right. It's all about, it's all about really absorbing the knowledge, but then ultimately what do you do action wise? How do you put that into action? And, yeah. and when you step into the space of teaching or sharing or um, tapping into others, that's, that's ultimately showing the highest level of, of your knowledge and understanding and ultimately can, can you help others do it? So yeah, um, that's powerful. That's, that's so true. What do you think has been your, one of your biggest lessons from teaching and educating in general others? Yeah. Um, my biggest, one of them, you know, I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's so many different avenues to that, but I'm, I'm a very big thinker and I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it big. Um, and, and just along the lines of that everyone can achieve, um, at, at their greatest potential. Um, there's so many times, um, in society and it trickles into the school systems where people come from different backgrounds or different socioeconomic statuses, all these different factors and they get labeled, they get, they get, they, people make predeterminations on what they're able to do capability wise. Um, and so they, they put them in this box. Um, and through my experience in education, it doesn't really matter who you are or what your situation looks like or what experiences you had. If you can tap into your greatest potential, any person can achieve. And um, I, think, I think that's a huge lens that I have as an educator is it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from, what's going on for you. Um, you, you can achieve. And to add to that, um, it's got to be rooted in relationships. Mm. It's got to be rooted in knowing that, that you have support and you have care around you and people who want to inspire and empower you. You know, it's so important actually that you touched on that. I, I was saying literally the exact same thing as one of my biggest, because I, I think uh, Chris had asked me on that show, I just mentioned the Mastering Men Within podcast about what makes a good teacher? Like what are the qualities of a good teacher, coach, mentor, you know, leader, really? I mean, it's all leadership to me. For and sure. ultimately you, you touched on it, which is the ability to see the possibility for the student and to, to speak to their greatness, you know, because ultimately um, I remember learning about when I was in school studying psychology, that there were these studies that they were done basically on the, it was crazy. I mean, the expectation that the teacher had, for the student would affect their performance in the class, obviously, you know, because you subconsciously yeah. give that student less attention and so on. And you sort of project these things. And I think that's very, very critical because as a teacher, really you're a leader, your job is to see the possibility before that student and to, to help them create. Now, whether they go there or not, you're not entirely in control of that process, but if you add to their limits as a leader, uh, as a teacher, then, you know, you're not doing them much of a service. So that's why to me, teaching really is leadership. You know, you're really learning yeah. how to lead when you're teaching other people and helping them create results in their life, because uh, it's really a work of your own, getting rid of your own barriers, right? I mean, I think, and you can tell me what your journey has been as well. But for me, one of the biggest lessons I've learned being a teacher is I have to really check my, um, expectations, lack of belief, you know, these self-doubt, all these different things. I have to check all that stuff at the door because otherwise, you know, I'm not going to be able to do my best. You know, if, if somebody's coming to me with a problem or an anxiety about something and I don't really believe in myself or I don't believe in them, or I have some sort of jaded view, you know, then I can't really be of service, you know? And so ultimately being a teacher has been a huge experience of spiritual growth for me and leadership and so on. So I'm curious how you're 
take has been, you know, with your experience and what led you to doing what you're doing now today? Yeah. Um, just to add on, just to add on to what you said, um, you know, the foundation of it, of it all is self-awareness, Yeah. right? Being able to create the self-awareness to check in with, with where you're at. Um, but then ultimately understand that that's going to impact the people around you. Um, and when you're stepping into a role as an educator, you have to know self and you have to know some of your limiting beliefs. You have to know some of your biases potentially so that when you're stepping into that space, you can put all that to the side. Not that they're not going to show up. They're going to show up, be able to acknowledge them, but ultimately have the awareness so that you can, can kind of um, go with non-judgment into working with students and, and developing their toolkits and different things like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, self-awareness is huge. Um, 100%. But my role as, as an educator that led to um, my current work as a life coach um, really stemmed, it started at a foundation of relationships. Um, I was that person who got into education, not because I wanted to be the best math teacher. I didn't want to teach the best reading lesson. What I wanted to do is that foundation of what I just said to you before. I wanted to build relationships and help students understand that they can be their best self. And I didn't really have any context around any of that. That's just part of the nature of who I was as a human. Um, and so that's what I did. And I leaned into that and I went into the classroom and did a lot of work around building community, building a family, building relationships, inspiring and empowering each other. And that ultimately led to great achievement and pure joy and, and happiness for students and myself. Um, but as I started to go on that journey and started to go to grad school, I really tapped into the world of social emotional learning. Um, because at that point, when people were thinking about school, it was really all about the academics. It was about making sure you're passing grade levels, you're doing great on state testing, all those pieces, all those check boxes. Um, but no one was really addressing the emotional side of human beings and, and kind of those what people deem soft skills, right? Um, being empathetic, being compassionate, being a perspective taker, all of those different pieces. And that's where, that's where I found so much joy and fulfillment. Um, and so as I stepped into higher leadership roles as a school administrator, that's what I wanted to bring change to in a school. I wanted to really bring a lens of, we already value academics here. Let's value social emotional learning here. Let's, let's create, let's create people. Let's create a community where we're self-aware, where we're able to self-management, where we can do responsible decision-making, where we have social skills. All of those different pieces were so important and we started that journey. Now, as I started that journey, I almost felt some blocks within myself because going, stepping, stepping into the space of a school, there is the academic side of things, right? Yeah. Um, and, and where I was feeling compelled was pouring in to helping people unlock the best versions of themselves and ultimately going through the process of diving into self to then, to then do that internal work to, to change and be who they want to be ultimately in life. And um, COVID presented a really great opportunity for me to just step back, reflect and, and think creatively in terms of what that could look like. Um, and I, I stumbled upon a lot of like self-help, self-development books. Um, I was also doing work with um, <clears throat> the Yale University um, Center of Emotional Intelligence. Um, and that was a program we were doing. So I was living in that world of emotional intelligence. And um, it ultimately led me to creatively dive into working with adults and working with groups and, and working on myself um, at a deeper level to, to get where I am. And so that's now the space I'm stepping into of fully just pouring into people now at, at a level of you can be who you want to be. Let's figure out what walls were there. Let's figure out what fears you may have. Let's build self-confidence and let's ultimately work towards what that's going to look like. You know, it's, I love that. And I think COVID and I'm, I'm so happy to, that you kind of transitioned to that. Cause I was going to ask you, how was the whole last year and a half or so, two years, whatever it's been, um, you know, with, with COVID because it's such a great reaffirmation that even during the hardest times, there is always an opportunity to repivot, to redesign 
and, and to redirect. And I think COVID was that way for many people, including myself, you know, there was just an opportunity to, to step back from the institution that we were in, whatever institution that happened to be and be like, okay, you know, life is stopping. And that doesn't mean that it's stopping forever, but it's stopping so that I can redirect and re reassess and, and, you know, reorganize. And so I'm curious for you, what was your biggest takeaway from just everything that's happened, you know, with, with this whole. Yeah. Um, I think my big, my biggest takeaway was putting myself first in a space where I, I was able to, um, create what I want to do in life. And what I mean when I say that is like, like you said, um, there was so much beauty in COVID because for me, it was almost like the universe saying, you have to pause. You got to step back and reflect and you just have to take inventory. You just have to see what's going on. I found myself in that reflection process, finding myself realizing I was kind of caught in just the rat race of each day, just day after day, just doing the same things, not in, and then realizing I didn't have, I didn't have full fulfillment. I had moments where I, I went like, oh, this is it. Um, and not that those experiences weren't great and I'm so grateful for them, but there was something in me that knew that there was more and, and knew that I wanted to create something bigger and, and, and different for, for myself personally. Um, and COVID led me to naturally go through that process to pause, to think about what I needed to do and what I wanted to do for me and ultimately put myself first and, and pivot. You used the word pivot before pivot to think about then, then based on who I want to be in life, what, what does that look like? And what do I need to do to get myself there? It's so important too. I think you, you also touched on another thing that's important because we we're kind of talking also about emotional mastery and that's, that's so critical. I think for, for everything, you know, your emotions are powerful tools and unfortunately they get the better of us most of the time, right? <laughs> Hopefully, you know, you get to practice to the point where it's not most of the time, but, uh, you know, emotions are definitely part of being human that we have to reconcile because they also add w- the flavor of life. You have to have emotions. You have to feel, you have to care about things and it's okay to get upset. It's okay to get sad. It's okay to get angry, but learning to control them and manage them in a way that's effective is very, very important for me. Um, I'm curious what your take on this is, but you know, for me, I've noticed that people tend to have like, you know, one or two dominant emotions they tend to go to for their sort of home base. You know, for me, it's like usually anger or worry. And I get it from my parents. You know, we usually get it from our parents and and it's, it's so funny how these things get downloaded because my parents are usually angry at each other and they're always arguing or they're worrying. You know? And so well, that's naturally what's going to happen in my life is something doesn't work out. You just get pissed off, you know? And so that's been a real uh, journey for me is, is I can relate to the emotional mastery, but you said something very important about that, which I want to touch on, which is the sense of pause and, mm-hmm. and why that is important for emotional mastery is to, to be able to pause, to be able to use that pause to integrate, to reflect, to cultivate this practice. Cause I think a lot of times we feel an emotion, you know, like sadness or anger or anxiety, you know, obviously all these different things. And the problem is not the emotion. The problem is how we respond to it. We don't implement the pause. We don't implement the reflection. I can tell you some of the best things I've learned about myself. Uh, you know, like, just like you, you know, I've, I've learned, I went to seminars, did coaching, read books, audiobooks, whatever, you know, but Really, I'll be honest with you, some of the best stuff I've learned about myself has just been just taking a walk at night, trying to collect my mind, you know, from being too anxious or too worried or, and sort of talking myself through the situation and coming back to faith and prosperity and and all these different things. And so um, anyway, a lot in there for you, but I really wanted to touch on that pause part. I think that was a very important part. Yeah, I you know, when, when you break it down and you think about just human behavior and human interaction and, and just what we do day to day, it's based off of an emotion. Every action mm. is driven by emotion. Yeah. And so what, what's so important is one thing we fail as society and as humans and as people, and I still do it 
a lot, probably more often than I wish I did. But what, what we do, and you name this, is something happens and we respond. And what we ultimately need to understand is there's actually space between the action and the response. Yeah. And when we have that space and we're able to recognize that space, then we're able to take the step back and say, okay, and, and when I'm thinking about emotions, I think about energy and pleasantness. So where am I energy-wise and where am I pleasantness-wise? Mm. And ultimately, now that I'm in this moment, I need to step back. I need to create that space for myself. And I need to think about what's a, what's a healthy, proactive way that I can handle the situation. Now, a lot of times when you talk emotions and you talk about pivoting or shifting or things like that, people can sometimes say to themselves, oh, well, yeah, I'm always trying to be happy. No, you should feel every emotion because all emotions matter and every emotion is information. So you should want to be sad. You should want to be guilty. You should want to be embarrassed. You should want to be um, blissful. You should want to be all of those things so that you can experience them so that you know that that's information. Um, and, and I think, and I think the, the biggest piece of that is just understanding that when you find yourself stuck in something, if you don't take the time to recognize and understand, um, and then ultimately determine what it is, ex express it, and then regulate yourself, you're going to, you're going to bring your emotion into every situation that you spiral from because you haven't created what you said the pause you haven't created the space to detach from that emotion there's a quote and i i don't know who it is off the top of my head but it's such a good quote it's like uh god i'm gonna butcher it but it's you know our ability to insert a pause between stimulus and response and um it's just some famous classical conditioning guy or you know psychology it's just such a yeah. cool quote and I, again, I butchered it. I don't remember what the full quote is, but you, you touched on it. I was like, oh man, that totally reminds me of this idea of a space between stimulus and response. And it's like, that is such a powerful visualization that, that you can put a space there. Even if it's a tiny little space, just put a little space. So you're not immediately in the control of the circumstance. Because think, of, think about it in a sense of like, how many times have, have you done something like, let's say, and I, and I think you, Every person, every single one of us has been met with a conversation that we weren't ready to have and our reaction was not what we wanted. And we walk away from that going, I wish I, I should have just said this. Well, we're being reactive where in that moment, and not to say you're like, pause, you don't talk, I don't talk. <laughs> like, right, it's, it doesn't work like argument. that. We're going through life, but... But how can you pause in that moment, realize where you are, ultimately create that space, and then think through what you need to be able to do? Because we're all so reactionary instead of proactive. And just that little space can, can change just your daily energy and your pleasantness because you're coming in with a way of shifting it to ultimately who you want to be rather than just reacting to What's been one of the hardest emotions for you to deal with and how did you deal with it or how do you deal with it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think frustration is one that's tough. Um, and it's tough because sometimes I don't want to sit in frustration. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'll mask it and I'll be like, Oh no, I'm good. Or I'm good. Or, or I'll take it and pour into someone else. Um, and that's my coping mechanism to yeah. avoid it. Um, but really what I've learned is when I don't address it and I don't sit in that emotion, it's super important that when we feel it, we lean into it. We acknowledge it. It doesn't mean we need to become it, but spend the time to uncover the root of it. And a lot of times when I'm frustrated, I will try to not address it and move and move on in, in different ways but then ultimately it seeps into other areas. So I've had to really work on sitting with it. Um, and a way that I've been doing it um, is really through journaling. 
I'll journal and I'll check in with myself. And so um, I'll, I'll sit and, you know, I'll be at work or I'll be driving or I'll do something and I'll find myself in a space where I can write and just acknowledging it, being able to say like, Griffin, you're feeling frustrated today and this is why. And that vulnerability to even just put it out there um, because sometimes weakness comes with some of those frustrations or, or um, insecurities come with frustrations or like aggression comes with frustrations. And so um, just owning those in the moment and then realizing like, oh, I don't need to be that right now um, and, and moving forward. But yeah, that was one for the longest time for me. I, I definitely tried to avoid uh, it's interesting. I, I'm always curious because it's like when you really get down to it, the the patterns that we all have are just so simple, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's just these simple little loops that were around since we're kids. You know, something happens, you get angry. Something, somebody feels a certain way about you, you get sad. You know, and it's just really when you see it for what it is, it's actually very simple. But they're so powerful. You know, they're yeah. so powerful. They're just these. Uh, I'm just amazed. You know that there's these still triggers, you know, that happen every day. I mean, my ability to control the triggers has gotten much better than let's say 10 years ago for sure. But it's just amazes me how, you know, uh, there's still a good ways of work to do, you know, even with all the things that I do, it's just like, there's still a good ways to work to do. And there's these little triggers that come up. And then if you don't tend to them, if you avoid them, or if you, you know, you lean into them too much without a a mind to solve them or an awareness like you, like you said, it comes back to self-awareness, having that sense of, uh, of a threshold that you don't cross, you know, like you allow yourself to get, let's say angry or frustrated or depressed, but you also have a sort of a a red flag, like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be depressed for five fucking days. You know, I'm not going to be, you know, uh, well, whatever, I guess it depends on what it is, but you know, in general, like I'm just saying, like, there's a sort of a line that you draw or like, okay, you know, I, I felt it and then it's time to move on. And so that definitely has evolved, but still, you know, it's the, the, the space between the stimulus and response. That's, that's a toughie <laughs> to really yeah, master. And, uh, and that's, the, that's where that discipline, that's where the awareness, that's where the proactive habits routines come into play because what we're talking about right now, when you say it, it sounds like, well, yeah, like no shit. Like, I shouldn't be angry at that or I shouldn't right, be angry yeah. at that, right? It sounds simple, but being able to have the awareness to catch yourself in the moment or prior to the moment or know where you are and to shift out of that or to lean into it, that's where the, the persistence, that's where the real discipline comes in of understanding self. Um, and I think, I think that's the biggest piece because what ends up happening is, is people just go through these experiences and all of a sudden they decide to do some work on themselves and they're like, oh my gosh, I have all these emotions. I'm feeling all these things. It's like, well, you've always felt those. You just don't have the, you just never had the lens of awareness around it. Now, what's the proactive work you do to get yourself from not being frustrated all the time or to get yourself from catching yourself in frustration? I think, and, and even just me saying that I'm catching myself. You want to feel those emotions. You de- you want to feel every emotion. If you suppress it, it's going to show up bigger and in different ways that you don't even bo- think what are possible and and could be really could be really difficult to shift out of. Um, but it's it's the day to day work to just have the awareness around where you are emotionally and know for self how do I shift myself out of it. Because what works for you may not work for me. And what works for me may not work for the next person. And what may work at work doesn't work at home. Like, right, there's so many different ways that we have to build that awareness around our emotions. How do people, I mean, that's, that's, that's a really fundamental question is how do you practice, or I should say improve, getting better at catching yourself? Because, you know, in my, in my opinion, or my experience, I should say, one thing I found useful is, and again, there's many things, but one thing I found useful is to learn the trigger, right? To understand what is the trigger. And there's different triggers, obviously, that, that kind of get us feeling frustrated and, uh, to learn the trigger. And then that gives you the ability to observe it because 
If you can't observe the trigger, then it's a blind spot. It's working in the background. It's doing its thing. It's making you uh, go crazy and you don't understand why you're going crazy. But then when you do, it seems like it loses 90% of its power. And so that's one thing I've found useful is to be able to learn the trigger so you can at least be aware of it when it's happening. But I want to know from your experience, what are some things people can do to get better at noticing you know, when they've gone off the deep end, right? That's really what it is. It's not about feeling the emotion. It's about staying there for indefinite periods of time and becoming unproductive. That's really what we're trying to eliminate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I first, I first think it, it, it starts with just building the awareness around your emotions in terms of like, when you go through your day, start to try to build in ways that you just check in with how you're feeling. So I'm, I'm having a conversation right now. Well, when I step away from this conversation, how did I feel? Why did I feel that way, right? Asking yourself two questions. How am I feeling? And why am I feeling this way? Um, because you're not, and you're not gonna figure it out in day one, right? You're gonna have to go through a process. But when you start to just create the space to check in with yourself to ask how am I feeling and why am I feeling a certain way, you'll start to develop patterns. You'll start to develop patterns of saying, wow, every morning when I interact with the lady at Starbucks, I walk away inspired. Awesome. Why do you feel inspired every time you walk away from that lady? What is it about that interaction that makes you feel that way? Or you say, or you say, you know, every night when I have to sit down and, and, and send those emails, I am just frustrated. Why are you frustrated? What is it about that? But, but to answer kind of that question you, you posed was you have, you, it, it's, it's all going back to awareness. You have to be able to ask yourself certain questions to even see where you are, because what happens then is you collect data, you're collecting information. At that point, you can sit and say, wow, I'm actually really um, inspired every time I'm around this group of people or every time I read this type of book or every time Mm -hmm. I'm doing this Um, or wow, I'm angry every time I'm doing this. So then what we're doing is we're actually starting to look at all of your areas and pillars of life. And we're saying, wow, look at this. Did you know that you felt this way about family and friends? Did you know you felt this way about your career? Did you know you felt this way about your own personal development? And then at that point, you can start thinking about, okay, who, who is that? Who do you want to be? And start doing some of that work. Now, I will say that that work is really hard to do by yourself. That, that work is is hard in terms of once you create awareness, getting yourself into an accountability, a routine, a developing habits, a lot of it's trial and error, what work, what doesn't work. And that's why the power of coaching is so valuable and so important because you can have someone who's with you on that journey to really, to really help you hear yourself, to really help you hear some of your blocks your blind spots, right? We all have blind spots, but if we do it alone, we're never going to address our blind spots because we have no awareness around our blind spots. So yeah. when we can have someone who, who challenges us, who we have someone who creates a safe space for us, then once we have awareness, we can, we can project ourselves and empower ourselves to ultimately be that change that we want to be. Mm. So true, man. I mean, I a hundred percent relate to that. And it's, it's a never ending journey too. I mean, the, yeah, the blind spots, it's just like, as soon as you try something new, I mean, I'm a recovering perfectionist, so <laughs> I'm still recovering. Uh, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, anytime I try something new, if I want to get into it, like, you know, I'm much better now than I was, let's say again, 10 years ago, obviously I would get frustrated about every little thing, you know, that I'm not doing right. But even now, you know, when I try something new, like, you know, if I'm going to stick to it, I'm going to do a good job with it, you know? And I just noticed those same little things coming up and it's, it's, again, they're little tiny blind spots that haven't been gotten rid of yet, but obviously I can manage them much better. And I've learned a lot of, uh, you know, acceptance and, you know, letting go and, and being cool. But I think what you said is very important, which is just having that 
practice of life where you're tuning into how do you feel? How do I feel around this person? How do I feel in this situation? You know, I, I was in a situation, I mean, so I can tell you, and you can tell me what your experience has been too, but I'll share that the last four years of my life, and especially in the last year and a half, two years, whatever it's been with this COVID thing, I have had to distance myself from a lot of people. I've had to cut off relationships and, you know, acquaintances and friendships and stuff like that. And not in like a dramatic way, but in a way of asking myself, okay, how do I feel like connected to this person? How does this person make me feel? And not that they're necessarily doing anything wrong. You know, sometimes maybe that's the case, you know, maybe you should prune the people in your life that are actively being toxic and complaining and, and sort of bringing you down. Obviously that's something you don't want to be around all the time, but there's also this sort of this passive drain that happens where people don't share your values. People, um, you know, they're just vibe in a whole different way. And so, you know, you have to ask yourself, how do I feel about that? Because all these situations that are just even again, neutral, those are the less obvious ones. They're these neutral, seemingly neutral, sort of passive sources of draining your energy. And if you don't get into a habit of asking yourself, how do you feel at your job, at you know, around this person in that group of friends, you know, in that situation, this commitment, you know, you're just gonna waste. I, I see them as like energy cords being tied to our bodies, you know, all these different we talk talk about energy work. Anybody who's into energy work, they know what I'm talking about with energy cords, but you have all these little energy cords and they're just literally draining the life out of you. And so you have to like prune them and set up boundaries and decide, okay, where's my energy going to go? Cause it's limited. And so, you know, that's really to me, such an important practice to ask yourself constantly, how do I feel? How do I feel about this? This, about this is agreement, this person, this new project, how do I feel about it? Cause really it's your intuition too, as well in that conversation. Yeah, I think I think it's all about protect, like you said, protecting your energy and protecting your being. It's thinking about how does this serve me, right? Yeah. It's going to your intentions and saying, okay, I'm gonna go connect with this person on a podcast. What's the intention behind it? How is it serving me based on who I want to be? Well, if you can develop that, then then you can start looking at life in terms of. Do I need to protect myself from this? Um, and, and you're right. So many times when it's when when people when you hear people say, yeah, I have, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to limit who I put myself around. People are like, oh, my gosh, that's so wow. You're just cutting people off. It's like, no, it's not like that. It's more of of knowing self and realizing that, OK, those people can be in my life, but are they in the are they in the life to the extent they used to be based on where I currently am based on my journey and my path? Yeah. Um, right. So many times people can go through their day or they just do the same routine, same group of people, same work, same everything and which is fine if it's serving you, but then they're coming home and they're like, I'm feeling drained. Oh, I'm just so frustrated at the end. They, they have such a scarcity and negative perspective on life. Well, if they took that step back to look at actual areas of their life and who and who they're with and what they're doing, they can maybe start to make some shifts in that. Okay, well, I see this person every day or I see this this group every weekend. Maybe I see them once a month. Maybe I see them once every month or once every other month, like whatever that is. But it's 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 really protecting yourself and and a lot of people don't don't do that work to go inward first. Um, in my experience, just to connect it to me, I'm a huge people pleaser, and that's that's a that's a strength and an area of, of growth um, because I really enjoy being able to show up and, and do things for people. Um, but then at the same time too, I can lose my being because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or, yeah. or I would, I would rather just make them happy. Um, and at that point I'm ultimately giving up who I am. I'm, I'm living their, their life or I'm living their expectations or their, um, or, or who they expect me to be and I lose myself. And so yeah. that's some of the work that I've done um, in, in a sense of 
really just protecting myself and understanding who am I, who's Griffin, who does Griffin want to be each day? And then how does that show up in Griffin's life? And what does that look like? Um, and that's some of the work I had to do because I was losing myself just becoming everyone else. There's, there's a quote from great. You, this is going to be great because you and I are both going to butcher quotes. Um, <laughs> I think it's, I think his name's Jim Cooley, but he says something along the lines. I'm not who you think I'm not who you think I or I am who you think I think I am. Yeah. I think just, I know this, what you're talking about. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just this back and forth of like, well, I'm going to be who I think you think I need to be based on me not asking you, but thinking I know. And, right. <laughs> and, we, lose, and we just lose self Yeah, when it's all said and done. That's super like wordy. But at that point, it's really just saying we, we will put ourselves in different situations to be something else than ourselves for other people rather yeah. than just being us. And that's something that I had to work through, but it all goes to what you were saying of, of protecting the energy, protecting the being and how does it serve me? It's so important, man. And, you know, it's, it's really what's coming up for me right now is, is the importance of boundaries. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, an emotional mastery, one of the things I think, or in life in general, is just understanding the use of boundaries of where you say no, where you draw a line, you know, having boundaries just are, you can never have, I mean, I shouldn't say it that way. I was going to say you can never have enough boundaries, but you know, I'm saying like, there's always room for boundaries, you know, like there's always room to dig in and say, okay, where am I being, um, you know, a little too reckless or unaware with my energy, you know, because really energy is limited and uh, certainly we can tap into a lot more than we feel we have, but it is limited to a point. And so you have to be very decisive about how you use your energy. And to me, one of the biggest lessons, cause I I'm a people pleaser as well. I can definitely relate to that. It's been a huge journey to come to the point where I am now, where I value myself and I know my value and I affirm my value. And I am constantly reaffirming evidence that people come into my life that see my value I think that's really important. Um, you know, whereas before I just did not see my value at all and people would just walk all over me. And, and, and like you said, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to be a people pleaser. I mean, you're nice, you're helpful. You're always wanting to go above and beyond, but it's also can be a crutch if you don't manage it uh, well. And that was something that took me a, a while to learn. And really the thing underneath all that, which if we really get into it is self-worth, you know, self-worth is, I think, probably the core of everything, right? I mean, if you, if you have good self-worth, then, you know, you tend to have less issues with emotions because usually I think emotions, and you can chime in on this, what what you think, but I, I feel like most of the time emotions are negative emotions, put it this way. They're almost like coping mechanisms for a lack of self-worth in an area. Something happens and mm. you, it reminds you of this profound lack of insecurity you have in your own ability and your future and your safety and whatever that's triggering you from when you were little. And so you respond, your response, either anger, anger is a source of comfort in a weird way. You know, we get angry and we sort of feel certain and we have that comfort from certainty because we're angry about something and we get to blame something and yeah, you know, you know, F them, you know, or we get, we get depressed. And so then people give us attention. And so that there's a coping mechanism there. So we always have these coping mechanisms, but really it's like this fundamental lack of self-worth that, that we have to, that we have to address that's underneath all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's spot on. And I, I also think that, that when it comes to self-worth, it's, it's really developing a sense of self, but not changing it. Right. Yeah. Really being able to address and understand here are my walls, here are my insecurities, and developing relationships with them, understanding them, not pushing them to the side. Because it, again, if we suppress all of those things, it's just going to come up in different ways. But it's really looking at self-worth and saying to yourself, where, where am I? How do I treat myself? How do I show up for myself? How do I not show up for myself? Why does that exist? Let me understand that at a fundamental and root and then start building ways of who I want to be based on that. One thing I talk about all the time with clients um, 
And this kind of feeds into it a little bit, but is, is the whole idea of like your comfort and pushing yourself outside of your comfort, because a lot of comfort is rooted in insecurities, fears, sometimes things that have to do with worth. And when we start to take those baby steps towards stretching ourselves in those areas, we're, we're rediscovering a brand new person that we never knew existed because we're finally able to have a relationship with those areas. Yeah. It's like everything you want is on the other side of discomfort, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's so true. And I think you can build up to that too. And I think it's very important. That's another skill of life or practice of life that's wrapped up in this whole conversation. You know, we talked about having the practice of basically introspection, right? Having that practice where you develop a, a practice of reflecting, asking yourself why, looking at what, you know, within trying to build your self-awareness. And I think when th- there's definitely a, a point at which people can reach where they have at least some ability to coach themselves, obviously having a mentor, having books, having different things you're doing externally are super important. Um, but you should also, in my opinion, be a player playing the game. You got to be dribbling the ball in the, in the court of your life. And so, you know, when it comes to um, emotional mastery and, and being intentional, you mentioned being intentional. I really wanted to touch on that. Yeah. What does that mean to you? And how do you help people create that? Because being yeah. intentional to me is, I have a whole thing I could talk about, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, for sure. Um, Being intentional means that you are living through who you want to be in life. Mm. And and, and it's it's a very um, simple way and a first step people can do. And I actually just did this with a group um, earlier this week. But so often we find ourselves driven by to-do lists every day, right? Yeah. I got to, I got to do this. I got to be on this call. I got to go do this. I have to drop the kids off here. I, you just, you, you wake up in the morning, your eyes open and boom, what do I have to do? Well, when you have to-dos, you become those external things mm-hmm. and your emotions are dysregulated and you're not, you're not in alignment with yourself because you're just jumping from everything and we don't have enough time in the day. Then we feel drained at the end of the day. Then we're stressed out and that just manifests in us. But when I talk about intentionality, it's rooted in not what you need to do. It's who do you want to be every day? So when you, when you wake up in the morning, who do you want to be? Do you want to be present? Do you want to be open? Do you want to be flexible? And then guess what? What what does that look like? So what's your to-do? How are you going to be present each day? How are you going to be open? When we can live through who we want to be, then externally and internally, we're aligned and we're doing things that are serving us based on that person we want to be. You mentioned being present. I think that's ultimately the most important skill that we can ever practice. There's I mean, you know, being present is the skill that makes everything else better. There's nothing that suffers. There's nothing that gets better by you being less present. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So agreed. For, for you, what have you found that you do on a daily basis that helps you practice being more present? If I was to go grab my journal right now and, and show you just, I would say for the past year, year and few months, every day, one of my words to be, because that list I just described is what I do daily to to ground myself. And my first word every day is presence. Wow. Um, Every single day is presence because I was someone who was always so, I wasn't actually as past focused. I was more future focused. I was more, this is going to happen. This is going on. This is, I was always trying to be three or four steps ahead. There were some areas of life that that worked phenomenally, but, but there were some areas of life where then it created all these nasty expectations, expectations that people didn't have that I put on myself. And I wasn't, I was, resenting things. I was getting frustrated because I wasn't present in the moment because when I was creating that expectation, what I was also doing was I was trying to control everything. Mm. 
I wasn't surrendering to the potential possibilities of what could be. The universe may have way different plans for me, but I was so worried about these expectations and this control because I wasn't present. And I was, I was just, I was going, I was going against the universe. I was saying, no, it, it looks this way to Griffin. What I've done now is I've really shifted to an openness of going back to my intention. Well, what do I want to be every day? And I want to be present. What does presence look like? It's being in the moment. It's, it's not having any expectation, but it's knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing. So what's my intention behind what I'm eating? What's my intention behind connecting with this person? And that's all rooted in living in the present. Because when I'm living in the present, I have no expectation. And then I, I'm able to create an area and space where, where whether they're things that bring joy or things that bring sadness, I'm at a place now where I understand that it's all for me and not against me because I've given up the control of expectations. Um, but, but to what you even said, how do I do that daily, right? I do that by meditating. I do a lot of meditation work to just, to just really ground myself. I journal, my journaling is something I do. Um, and to really just set, my, my day is just built around really my, my mental health and, and my internal being. And so I have parts of my day where I work on breath work and I do things to just keep myself in the moment. I've, I've developed such a habit around it where I can catch myself when I know I'm jumping out of presence and I still do it all the time, mm -hmm. but I'm able to shift back to it to say, remember, why are you doing this? Um, especially a lot of stuff in the coaching world, I get so excited and I'm like, Ooh, it can look like this, 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 and this. Right. And then I lose, I lose the moment of what it's actually there for. Well, who, I don't know what the universe is going to give me in this connection. So let me, let me be with this connection. Let me pour into this and what happens happens. Um, that's, that's a big, that's a big shift. That's, that's probably one of the biggest shifts for me over the past year and a half. Yeah, I'm 100% with that. I mean, it's so funny you you mentioned the to to be list. I have talked about that several times is to create a to be to be list instead of a to do list. That's all you really have to do is to be kind, be generous, you know, be present, yep. uh, be mindful, whatever. And it's if you can do that, that's really the to do list. You know, that that's the real to do list. Other than all these little errands that we, you know, they're necessary, but they they definitely distract us at the same time and you know, you brought up something really important, which is to me, a very fine little dance between, you know, when we create the life that we love, when we plan the future, we inevitably have to get out of the present moment. We have to get out of this present moment and sort of, you know, astral project into the future and figure out, okay, what does this look like? How do I do it? You know, let me plan, scheme, strategize all these different things. And and that's necessary. I mean, you have to plan if you you want something. You can't uh, enjoy strawberries in the summer if you don't plant them in the spring. And so, but inherently that takes you out of the present moment. And the present moment is where all life happens. And so um, there is a fine dance because I've noticed, and I used to be very much, just, just like you said, like I could see something and boom, I think if you're creative as well, like your mind just runs off. Oh, it could be this, 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 and this. And then, you know, oh my gosh, you could do this and this and pretty soon, you're like, wait a minute, you know, I'm still in the present moment here. Where, where am I going? And so I think it's a very important dance to be able to come back to the present moment. And so I guess, what would you say to people on how to, how they can balance that necessary balance between doing all this personal growth stuff, you know, and, and sort of, you know, working on constructs of, of their personality and how to identify their blind spots and planning their life and all, all the stuff that's involved with being in a growth mindset, obviously it's really yeah. very powerful and needed, but ultimately it takes us out of the present moment. And so we always have to come back to that. I think we always have to come back to the present moment. And so how would you help people or advise them to navigate that little dance? Yeah. I want to start by saying, I think, I think something that, that we can always all lose sight of is don't take life so seriously. Mm. When we, 
when we show up like here, when, when you're talking about self-development, when you're talking about all of these things, there aren't things to fix. You're already powerful. You're already an absolute beast. You're already those things. What you're doing is you're just taking an internal look at yourself. And so what happens though, is when, when I think societally, when we talk about self-development, when we talk about um, mindset shifting, all these things, it's coming from a lens of there's something wrong. Yeah. And then when we think about there's something wrong, then we start saying, then, we, then it's a job. I got to fix yeah. this. I got to fix this. I got to fix this. I got to fix this. When we start doing that, then it, then it's not fun. This is life. This is our, our life. This is our, our opportunity to create what we want. And so I want to say to listeners, like, don't take things so seriously. What the, where the work is, is in that self-awareness, just creating that for yourself. You can have desires. You can envision what life looks like, but don't take it so seriously. Do the things that you need to do or reach out to the people you need to reach out to in terms of, of is it fulfilling you and are you, on, are you on that track to get there? But how do you know that? It's when you step back and check in with yourself. And so you can go through life and you can say, I want to get that, um, I want to get that house and that, that seven-figure salary and blah, 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 blah. And you get there and you're like, I'm not happy. But if you create the opportunity to not narrow yourself in, to have fun with life and be open to opportunities, but develop the awareness to check in with yourself, you can see how things are serving you. And at that point, you're open to pivoting because you're saying, oh, I thought this was for me and this is not serving me in the way that, it, that I thought. How, how, can I, how can I make an adjustment? What do I need to do? You mentioned it before. It's going back to, into your intuition. It's going back to your intuition. It's going back to self to just say, where am I? But it, everything we're talking about is, is going back to that awareness, just creating that awareness for yourself. And all it is, is checking in. Hmm. That's so important, man. I'm, I couldn't agree more. I mean, being able to simply... And, and you mentioned something. I love that you touched on this topic of you're not broken. You're already whole, complete as it is. I believe the same exact thing. And the way I, I think about it is it's sort of like a mold, not a mold like a fungus, but like a mold that you use to create something, right? Like let's say a mold for, a I don't know, an object of some kind. When you create a mold for an object, it's not incomplete. The mold is complete, but now the mold is a space for something else to be created on. And so each of us, I believe we're whole and complete. This is how I, this is how I personally resolve this fundamental ideological sort of pigeonhole with personal growth, because ultimately we are whole and complete, but yet, you know, there's always more, right? There's always something. So what is your driving force for that more? Is it because you're lacking something or is it more out of curiosity, play, fun, all the things that you mentioned? So that's, that's very important. I think to resolve that. So you're not approaching personal growth from a sense of obligation. You know, you really see that you are whole and complete and you are also simultaneously a space for transformation and things to, to be learned upon, to be created. You know, the particular imbalances that we're all born with and personality traits and culture and life experience, whatever, all of that is a very unique space for certain knowledge and wisdom to, you know, be set upon. And just like a table, a table is an object, but it's simultaneously a space that you can put stuff on. You know, I, I believe people have the same dual function in the sense that we are whole and complete. We're not missing any, anything, you know, but we're also a space for wisdom and very specific wisdom to uh, make its way into our lives based on, you know, who we are. Yeah, I, I, I think that's spot on. I think, I think too, when, when you start hearing people's ways and journeys, I think, I think a big thing, and this is a lot of the work I do is, and I gave a little bit of an example just in my last description of that, but we try to attach to everything external. Well, I'm here right now and well, I'll be happy when I move here. 
Mm-hmm. Or I'll be happy when I get this. Or yeah, it's this time of the year. I'm going to be happy when blank happens. And when we attach to those things, we're, we're basically leaning on it saying, I don't know. And, and I'm, I'm hoping you can fix me. And what ends up happening 100% of the time, we're not fixed by those things. And so it's the shift to the internal work. It's every single thing needs to be rooted in the fundamentals of your being and your intention. And, and once you start living through that, it doesn't matter what things look like because you're ultimately living with fulfillment and joy because you don't have any expectations. You don't have any, you, you can have desires and dreams, but, but you're open to everything because you're in alignment with yourself for the first time ever. You're in alignment with yourself rather than trying to just grab at everything to save you. Mm. I love that, man. One more question for you. Yeah. What are you most grateful for today? Just being present, going back, going back to what we said, Um, just being able to go through my day and specifically this time with no, nothing else on my radar besides having a powerful conversation with someone else. That's it. That's what it was all about today. And through my day and through the things that I was doing, just, just being in that moment to really absorb it and be, and just be grateful for where I am, knowing that where I am is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. 100% man. Awesome. Awesome, buddy. This was great. This yeah. Was I appreciate awesome. you. Thank I Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm excited to have, I'm excited to have you join me on mine soon. Oh yeah, that's right. Did we end up scheduling? Yeah, I think I think I did, right? I scheduled something. Yeah, I think I think it's next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's in my calendar then. I didn't yeah. remember if if I had actually gone through it or not. But yeah, no, for sure. It's uh it's been a blast. We'll have to do it again. You you know Nick too, I guess. You know Nick uh Pags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, him and I work together. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was uh on the show, I don't know, like a week or two ago and he told me something. Yeah, him and him and I him, him and I were talking the other week and we were just kind of going through some of the people and things we were connecting with. And I said, your podcast. And he was like, I'm on that too. And I was like, that's funny. I was like, no shit. And like him and I were like, Oh, that'd be funny if we were back to back episodes. Yeah. Um, I think I met both of you guys through whatever wildcast or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. How's that going for you? Is it pretty good? It's good. I, I think I, I think I could be more diligent with it at times. Mm. Um, but um, it's an, it's an awesome platform to just connect with people. And I love how you can do the swap. I love how you can say like, yeah. yo, I'll hop on yours if you hop on mine. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I really hope they continue to innovate with it. I think it has a lot of potential. I've, I messaged a lot of people on there early on and I, I even wrote the the founders and stuff. I'm like, Hey, you guys have some like usability. Cause like, it's a cool platform. I think it's unique. Yeah. And so I hope that they do well, but yeah. um, my experience so far, I mean, I, I can't complain. I've had a lot of people contact me and everything, but the messaging is just a little weird. Like it's kind of, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like it's just, I, there's a lot of little trinkety things that make it a little harder to discern who yeah. did you message when and all. So it's, Still, they need to clean it up a little bit and you know I, I hope that they do but overall i mean it's definitely unique and certainly i think we need more of those types of networking type of podcast yeah. specific you know platforms which is really cool yeah yeah for sure i i, I love the power of just bringing like-minded people together and and, and just sharing just sharing experiences and, and sharing messages and um i'm super grateful for you and and us connecting and and just being able and thank you for creating that space for us to kind of step into this and have this conversation. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend Griffin. You know, the mind is your bottleneck. It is your limiting factor. It's the only limiting factor is your mind. Your success and I guess also your failure 
right now as a result of your belief systems. Now, that's not pretty to look at, especially if things aren't working the way you want them to, but it is always a reflection of your belief systems. And although it's not pretty to look at, you know, what beliefs may be creating the failure in your life, once you find those beliefs and you truly identify them, they lose their power. And that's really powerful. So it's uncomfortable, but it leads to freedom. And that's really the whole journey of setting your mind free is all about. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure you connect with Griffin. I'm going to put a link for him uh, on the show notes for the episode. You can go access that. Again, it's episode 265, danceoflife.com slash podcast for the show notes. As always, thanks so much for being here. Don't forget Steve Jobs. Your time is limited. Don't waste it living someone else's life. Such a great quote by such an inspiring and legendary figure. You know, our time is limited here. This is something to remind yourself constantly because the mind gets lost in these information structures of the future, of, of our timelines that we project, of our assumptions. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, you know, we, we anticipate certain things, but we really don't know. And the way you relate to that is, is very important because if you relate to it with anxiety uh, or excitement, it's going to determine how you live your life. We really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Is that a scary thing to you or is that an exciting thing to you? And this is, this is something to look at. You know, one day maybe we will live forever. <laughs> Certainly, uh, there's a lot of things happening where we can live much longer, hopefully, and enjoy the benefits of old age and wisdom. But even then, you know, things are always changing. And sometimes oppor- opportunities are lost forever. Now, there's always going to be new opportunities, but certain opportunities are lost forever. And so you have to make the most of it. This is the key. And the key to making the most of it is your mind. That's your first stop. So I hope today has given you some tools. It's helped you. Thank you so much for listening as always. And we'll see you on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend, and don't forget, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.